Coming up on this episode, the biggest challenges for your haunt in 2022. This episode is from Haunt Topic Radio and is a replay of the live November monthly mastermind class for Haunt Master members. Haunter's Toolbox hosts these masterminds monthly. Become a Haunt Master member at hauntertoolbox.com if you want to join in on the next one. This masterclass features myself and Alex from HauntPay discussing research and trends for the 2021 and 2022 seasons. Enjoy. So you are the creator of HauntPay, right? Yeah, yeah. I started it legend. back in 2014, yeah. And so for people that haven't heard of HauntPay, tell us a little bit about what HauntPay is. Sure. So HauntPay uh, provides scary, simple ticketing and payments for haunted attractions all over the world, really, but mostly in the U.S. We have a couple outside the U.S., you know, some up in Canada, some over in Australia, but mostly in the U.S. right now. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, online and at the door ticketing and payments, you know, to help uh, reach more fans and sell more tickets. And you guys created a report this year. Yeah, we did. So we had an opportunity to survey uh, not only our clients. Uh, we work with about a thousand haunted attractions every year. I think it hit a thousand twenty-four or something this year. So it's just a little bit over that. Uh, but we also, uh, uh, you know, brought in outsiders. I would say mostly they were our own clients, but there were some that weren't our clients that were still friendly and uh, you know wanted to fill this out. So we did. We put together a fun report and had an opportunity to release this. Uh, unfortunately, we wanted to get it out before the season because we did do this survey before the haunt season here. And as it was, we got it out like the last week of, of the haunt season, you know, like October 29th or something like that. So it was a little late, you know, for being a preseason report, uh, but it still had some really interesting info. And it's kind of interesting after the fact to see how some of those numbers actually compare with what was actually done for people here. Yeah. So what kind of the, what was in the report and where can we find it? Yeah. So definitely go to hauntpay.com and you can find it there. Uh, there's a link right on the front page. There's something that says like haunt pay report. There'll probably be a pop-up too. It's going to be hard to miss, uh, but uh, you can find it there. You can download it for free. It's easy to get a hold of, uh, but we did, we went over uh, some interesting stuff. So I can definitely, you know, hit some of the, the top points here. Um, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting right off the bat was that more haunts than ever before are actually, and, and I don't have the comparison in here, we just have the numbers, but uh, more haunts than ever before are doing indoor uh, haunted attractions. So less and less people are doing outdoor and more are moving indoor. It's not substantial numbers, but it's more than it was ever in the past. In fact, this is the first year that we have seen more indoors than outdoors. Uh, so of the surveys, and the survey kind of followed this, of the surveys, 45% uh, reported doing indoor only, uh, about 38% reported doing outdoor only, and about 19% said that they were going to be split equally. And that was kind of interesting. Um, I, I think that's going to be more future-proof too, you know? So I think that's what a lot of people are looking at as we get hit by more and more crazy weather, you know, it just makes sense to, to have some of this stuff move more indoors, um, though it's always more expensive too. So I think that also means that there's more money coming in that's able to, you know, put together these indoor attractions because those do cost a lot of money at times there. Uh, of course, that varies depending on what sort of setups you have and that sort of thing. But in general, I'd say they're more expensive. Um, and this isn't a, this is kind of a no brainer, but 93% of people said that uh, their primary 
uh, revenue driver was ticket sales. Uh, this actually surprised me as being kind of low, right? Don't you expect that it's going to be a hundred percent for haunted houses? But we had uh, several, you know, they were saying that sponsorships, uh, that merchandise sales top those. And I think with the, what we're seeing here is more and more nonprofits coming in. A lot of these nonprofits are coming in. They're not able to sell tickets because of whatever, you know, their nonprofit setup is. I, I don't know exactly how those setups all work, but some don't think that they're able to sell tickets. They get sponsorships, they sell merchandise, they have donations or pay what you can instead of that primary, you know, uh, a ticket sale driver there. So that was kind of interesting. Um, and one big thing, you know, that I think stuck out on our survey here, we saw 51% of people saying that they were going to do time ticketing this year. The result uh, actually was much higher for what we actually saw. We actually saw 76% of our clients use doing some sort of time ticketing this year. I don't know if we convinced a few between when the report happened and when they got online, or just a lot of the people that weren't using us weren't doing time ticketing, but we saw 76% doing some sort of time ticketing. And it's not saying everybody's like down to the 10 minute interval or something like that, but you know, at least breaking it down by nights or hourly. Uh, and a lot of people were doing much finer ones. We saw several doing five minute intervals, which is crazy to me. I think that must be chaos, you know, to actually try to, yeah. to organize that. That's not very many of them, but if you, you know, have very strict kind of show like setups and they know exactly what time it takes, they like the five minute interval thing. But I think, you know, that was actually down just a bit from last year, but it's way up I, I, from 2019, 2019, the numbers were incredibly low. Uh, it was something like 30% or less that were actually doing time ticketing on our platform. So those numbers have just flipped. It's, it's reversed. Now it's over 75%, 76% are doing time ticketing. And I think what a lot of people did last year, they had to do that because of whatever regulations they were seeing, you know, with the pandemic and, and the capacity issues and things like that. And now they said, hey, that actually worked out well. We had shorter lines at any given time. We had didn't have as many people ticked off that they couldn't figure out what time they're coming through the door. You know, they knew when to expect things to happen. And so they decided to keep it around. I think it's also a revenue driver. So a lot of people are seeing, hey, we can charge more, you know, if we make let people decide the exact time that they're going to show up or something like that. Or maybe if everybody else has to choose and they just want to come whenever, have a front of the line pass whenever, that's what we can charge more for. But it leads to additional revenue opportunities there. So um, are you going to be doing yeah. this report again next year, Alex? Yeah, we are. Yeah. In fact, we're going to speed it up here. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually start surveying this uh, well before next season so we can get a reaction take on last season and what you expect going into next season. So our next one won't be next fall that we're bringing it out. It'll be prior to that, you know, which will be nice. We'll have some data going into it. And I think that'll be helpful to people to kind of know what to expect. You know, what did last year look like versus the coming year here and, and some of these trends. Um, you know, another crazy one that I, I think is here is already virtual queues, like just barely entered the market last year. And they're already at 15 plus percent saturation of people that we surveyed. 15% said they were using them. And that's actually pretty close. We actually saw, you know, right around there, 15 to 20% of our clients were using our virtual queue set up there. So that's a significant number um, coming through there uh, on the virtual queue side and uh, new technology, right? Like it's stuff that people aren't used to. And then it's getting adopted right away. You should see, you know, way back when, how long it just took us to start getting some people to move from cash only at the door to actually selling tickets online. And now all of a sudden in one year's time, 15% are moving to virtual queues. I think the haunters are speeding up, you know, and yeah. how they're, they're adopting new technology, which is encouraging to see. Yeah. So the, um, 
the virtual queue is that where you get notifications like if you want to wander around the park or get in your car then they you get a text message yeah exactly yeah yep that's exactly it you you check in either you know we have a remote check-in thing so you can even sit in your car when you get there and geofenced you can say i'm here and it'll text you and it'll say hey feel free to wander around you've got about a 45 minute wait or whatever the wait time is it'll try to calculate it based on your numbers and uh feel free to wander around hang out in your car whatever and we'll text you when it's time to pop up and they give a little leeway time you know usually 10 minutes you know you'll want to give them leeway time there but the cool thing here is you know one it lets people be comfortable and waiting wherever they want to wait it doesn't have to be in a crowd necessarily but two if you've got other opportunities to grab their dollars this is it you know people aren't usually spending money when they're waiting in line right like that's that's a problem you've got these people there and they're only spending money for a small amount of the time that they're actually at your establishment your attraction there so the virtual queue system lets them roam around hit your midway hit your con uh, concession stands hit your merch stands hit your you know uh electrocute the dude you know for a, a buck thing or midway games or whatever you have going on and spend more money while they're there and enjoy themselves more you know you're going to see positive reviews and additional revenue so it's kind of a win-win yeah that's awesome you guys have been uh remember when you had, like your first year in trans world how long you been at haunt Bay? oh man so you know here's a weird thing like haunt pay as the ticketing platform started in 2014 but we were doing like credit card ticket sales and uh, or credit card sales you know in the middle of before there was a square where you could you know take a cellular you know card sale thing so we were actually at Transworld even before that, maybe 2012 was our first one, but I've been coming forever. I grew up on her. My dad's birthday was on Halloween. We used to do cake and ice or instead of cake and ice cream, we'd build a haunted yard every year. So I was a home haunter. Then I was a, you know, professional haunter, worked with some professional haunts growing up and, and, uh, you know, I've always been around the business. I think I was at the first Midwest Haunters convention too, you know? So yeah, I, I, I love this stuff. Always have loved this stuff. Yeah. We've been on a few of our interviews before our training world specials yeah thank you guys yeah. very much it's always a pleasure uh meeting up with you guys i still got to get you to use haunt pay brian but uh one yeah. of these days we'll convince you to switch <laughs> We're over working here. on that we'll work on that <laughs> now so putting all these trends and stuff together i know like you said you've been in the industry for that long what kind of adoptions and stuff have you seen I know you say, you know, it's hard to get people to just switch from cash to charge. And now there's still some haunts that are all cash only because I see them around. Right. Yeah. So what kind of trends have you seen over the past? Do you see it going toward more toward this digital yeah. revolution? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, th I think a lot of this, Philip, Philip and I were just talking about this at IAPA, actually. We, we had a nice uh, chat about a lot of these details here. And, and you know, one of the things that we kind of both agreed on is like, look, people, <laughs> when, when you're grabbing people's attention, they're searching on their phones now, right? And they're searching online. And if they can't book it right now immediately, you know, and they're, they're not going to take a chance to see if they can get in when they get there, they are going to whatever the first thing is that they can hit buy now on, you know, so that's one of the most important things, you know, for people out there. I think a lot of haunters, it was hard originally, they were so used to doing cash on site and, and a lot of people still are. And if that works for you, you know, go for it. You know, that's awesome. I, I think keep running with it. If you're hitting your max volume and that's what you want to do, like run with it. But if you could use more people through the door, make sure you're online, make sure you are visible where people are searching and make sure that they can buy your tickets because there's so many benefits that you're getting their money now instead of you know when they wanna to come to your event. So that might be two or three weeks in advance of them actually 
coming, you know, and you've got that money, you can work with it. You can, you can use it to, to pay your cast members, even that sort of thing. Uh, number two, you've got their money, even if they don't come <laughs> right. Like, so they've made their decision to give you their money. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so you've already got that cash, you know, when they're making that decision up front there, you know, uh, and three, you're, you're just capturing that attention of people that, that, you know, otherwise, you know, aren't interested, especially in this time uh, in age, you know, with, with the pandemic worries and things like that, people aren't interested in standing in a long line or waiting to see if they can get in and figure stuff out. They want to know in advance that they've got a ticket and they're ready to go. Um, so I think there are a lot of uh, opportunities there. There's also the upsell opportunities, you know, you can offer them if they buy a general admission, you can then offer them a front of the line pass or a t-shirt that they can pick up at the event or all this other stuff, parking pass, whatever it is, concessions, credit, uh, all these different things that you can upsell them on uh, in order to get there. And it's also a marketing opportunity. The more people buy online, you can offer them, you know, discounts and things to actually share your establishment with other people. One of the things we do is say, hey, you can have a social discount button where people uh, uh, you know, can get a dollar off for clicking share on Facebook or share on Twitter when they're on checkout. And it works, it actually drives more people to your establishment there. So all of those things are positives. And, and I think uh, it also makes it much easier to manage your ticketing in general there. You can have the time ticketing and manage your crowd flows, know how many people are coming in a given night, which can affect you know how you hire, how you set your haunt up for the night, all those different things there. So uh, just a handful of things. I think a lot of people are coming online you know, early on when we started seeing that, you know, it was a, a minority of haunts. Now it's the majority by far of haunts that are doing online ticketing. I couldn't give you an exact number because we don't work with all of them, but it's it's a lot. Uh, and even more, you know, so they're moving from just online ticketing to managing those crowds through time ticketing. Uh, that's over 50% of the people surveyed. And like I said, it was closer to 75, 76% of the people that actually used this this year. Um, and I think uh, a lot of them are, you know, now going to be going to those new technologies that are out there, virtual queues uh, being one that's out there. We've seen some start offering up virtual access. So that's where you can pay for the ability to uh, enter an event online via live stream like this, right? A ticketed event like this. What does that mean for a haunter? I think a lot of haunters are still trying to figure that out. We do it with concerts and stuff all the time. Uh, and that's through a different name. Usually we use passage for our non-haunted stuff, even though we're, we were haunt pay first. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, through the, uh, through that, I think, you know, haunters can do makeup, you know, uh, uh, lessons. They can do behind the scenes tours. How many haunters live on the West Coast and really wish that they could see some of those East Coast haunts? You know, see that back end because they're haunt advocates. They love this stuff, enthusiasts, right? Like us. And they want to see what this stuff looks like. That's been one of my pains. I can't get out, you know, like you guys can't get out, I'm sure, and go to other haunted attractions. But what if you could do a daytime, you know, behind the scenes tour that's a live stream access or something like that? I think those are more and more opportunities that are popping up too. And then the other big uh, trend that I'm seeing are holiday uh, uh, openings. So more and more haunts are staying open for, you know, a, a Christmas event, a Valentine's event, a bloody Valentine's or that sort of thing. Um, we even had a couple that opened for St. Patty's Day uh, this, this last year, which cracked me up. Uh, but I love it. I love seeing that stuff every Friday, the 13th that pops up. I love seeing all those guys that do that, the halfway to Halloween, all that different stuff coming up. So I think that's a big one that's growing a little bit more and more every year and will continue to grow into the future. Yeah. Good.
Do you know what causes haunted attractions to shut down before they even get started? The top three roadblocks are lack of funding, lack of leadership, lack of resources. As a member of the Haunter's Toolbox, you get instant access to the tools you need to start and grow your own haunted attraction business. To get started, become a member at Haunter'sToolbox.com. We've got a question from chat for you, Alex. Uh, mm -hmm. What percentage of people don't show up after buying a ticket? Is that a stat that you have available? It, it's a tough stat. So I, I can't give it to you with, with any certainty. I have had some haunted attractions that certainly are in the 20% range. Some are in the 5% range. Uh, everybody has some right? Unless you're only selling one ticket online or something like that. Anybody who's doing a statistically significant number do that. The reason I can't give you an exact number is because unfortunately, not all of our clients use our scanning like they're supposed to. So, uh, you know, when we look at the numbers, they're a little bit skewed to the number of tickets that aren't actually scanned in versus people that just decided to not scan tickets that night because they trust the folks coming in or, or whatever, didn't want to worry about it. Their phone battery was dead. So they didn't want to scan tickets, that sort of thing. So that's why I don't have an exact one, but we, uh, and, and I think it also differs a lot by location. So in more metro areas, people tend to, where people have more disposable income and where haunts sell out faster, which happens in those metro areas, a lot of times people will tend to buy tickets just in case, just in case they have that opportunity to go out that night. If another opportunity comes up, their band, their favorite band is in town or something like that. Sometimes they'll go to that. They won't worry about those haunted house tickets. So I think they do go up in metro areas and they go down a bit in rural areas, but everybody has some. And even if it's just 5% extra that you're getting, that covers, you know, any extra credit card processing fees you have, you know, with that extra 5% in the bank. Yeah. Good. That was Leonard Pickle that asked that question. So. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> sure he'd be a guy that would like to know that exact number there. <laughs> I think we've talked about that one before. <laughs> well, uh, go back to Philip for a little bit. Um, Philip, so all your time the last year or two, you know, going over and interviewing haunters, interviewing vendors, um, what kind of trends have you seen past, present, and leading up to next year and maybe 2023 as well? The three main trends that we kind of saw this year, which I don't think would surprise anybody are, you know, consolidation uh, that that's kind of been we, like, I think that this year we kind of saw as we did a little bit last year, we kind of saw a little bit of a like, um, like two piles, right? There's piles of uh, people that were able to open last year and were able to hold on to their market share and were able to then reopen this year bigger and better, whatever, you know. And so they did really well, about 20 to 30% more than 2019, like a, like shockingly well. Like they, and then when you combine that with everything Alex is saying, like these are the people that jumped onto time ticketing and jumped onto social sharing and jumped onto everything Alex just mentioned, which means that they filled up all of their dead time. So they were at capacity and sellout nights and had great a great season. Then you have the other camp, which maybe they didn't have as much cash reserves or they couldn't figure out a way in their area to launch or whatnot. So they kind of lost that market share and they had a hard time. And then the, the, the high lumber costs this year and all the like stuff that was building up this year kind of just hit those guys and really hard. And many of them closed mid season or they had issues. They didn't fill up. They had less percentage. They couldn't get staff. Like <laughs> it's going to have this, this flip. So like on this side, for example, like reign of terror here in thousand Oaks, 
even he was fully staffed only 80 actors but still 80 that's you know 80 paid full-time actors it's quite a, a chunk um even requiring everyone to be fully vaccinated he staffed and he had like only one person not show up for their shift that's crazy you know and the same with the san francisco mint you know they were able to hire this year their own security to run their secure their security themselves and were able to increase so they're paying security $35 an hour and they had a good like they they again also required that and then you had ponds on the other side of the spectrum that were not able to keep fully staffed had a huge no-show rate and were able to not able to open or not able to fill the demand that, that they had or didn't get the good demand and those are people that were even offering incentives and were also not even requiring vaccination status so just really making it easy you know as much as they could to bring people in and were struggling so you really saw two piles so, like i think i think that's so consolidation slash that kind of thing that's like your your first thing the second thing I heard a lot of, which we just talked about, but that was staffing issues. Everyone talked about, and it was kind of, again, on the spectrum, some people that were on the more sophisticated side or could pay higher because of a different model they had or whatnot did really well, but the other, other end of things did not. Across the board, though, people have, have the most problems with staffing food and beverage and merch, which just makes sense, right? Because it's who wants to work at FMB or merch at a haunt, especially when things are crazy wow. and busy, when you could just go to Starbucks or Amazon, it doesn't make any sense. So, and again, to push Alex's point, like he just said, though, this is another reason why we see a, a big adoption from not just haunts, but attractions in general over to anything that can relieve some of that stress. Like if you can buy your merch ahead of time on your ticket when you're upcharging people and then you don't need to have them <laughs> do that interaction with an employee, that is better. Anything you can do to push that stuff away because reducing those, those staffing points, you know, still having the opportunities is critical because you want mem you want people to have memories and you want them to have merch. That's a big opportunity. F and B and merch is huge, but also it's very hard to staff those positions because you can get people that are passionate to scare act and passionate to be part of a haunt. Yes. We all we have always relied on that, but it's hard to be passionate about selling t-shirts, right? Ultimately that's all it is. So why not do it on hunt pay <laughs> and push it ahead of time, you know, why, and, or even just have a tablet there, you know, so we, we've seen that we, we see a lot of advances in that even Disney now at the parks, you know, they're, they're just having a, a self queue system, self parking, you know, all this kind of stuff, parking attendance too. That's, that's a huge, huge area of issue. So that's the second one is kind of staffing. And then the third big thing that I heard a lot from is just issues from guests. And again, that kind of is situational depending on your target demographic. People that target tweens or any anyone in that like middle school to like tween range, especially if those people are not, don't have like chaperones with them, had large problems with behavior this year. Um, if you are a 21 and over, or if you're like an adult only, or like a family, like a, like a family family, as in like the parents are there with the kids, then it was okay. And if you were much older, it was okay. But any in that tween range, you know, that's a lot of reports of, of issues and not, not just 
that's not just stuff I heard in my reporting, but it's also stuff that made national news, as I'm sure you're aware, that two Six Flags locations had to shut down due to violence. And the one up in here, Magic Mountain, also had to reduce their hours. So this is another one, right? Another thing of having to reduce or not being able to stay open and to sell like they want to just because they have too much violence going on. So they have to shut the park early and they have to ban backpacks and they have to not allow any bags whatsoever in in this case up here. Um, so so I think th- those are the three three kind of big veins that we've seen that we kind of <laughs> knew were coming from 2020 and then they kind of just materialized here 2021. And then uh, going forward, I think there are five main areas that we're going to be looking at for like 2022 and whatnot. And that is planning for supply chain disruption, whether that be supply chain regular disruption as in like just delays on like fog machines, <laughs> you know, as like last time, or that's going to be also inflation I'll put in there because there is going to be an increase in component pieces that will cause a lot of these materials to be a uh, go up in price. So that's going to be one. The second one's going to be uh, reducing friction for the guest, which is what we just talked about. Reducing friction, meaning that can they get their tickets on their phone? Can they do them online? Can they order? Can they do everything without talking to a human ultimately, and then just show up and have a good haunt experience? That's kind of ideal. <laughs> and then when they are there at the event, you know, is it 45 minutes to get a corn dog? Because that's not a good experience, you know? So how can, how can you reduce that kind of friction? Um, and I'm putting staffing like in that bucket of reducing friction because staffing will continue to be a problem, um, you know, for a while, uh, just like the spine chain is going to be a problem for a while. Then the third bucket is like bringing the haunt home. It's kind of what I'm calling it. And that is the, the kind of the concept that previously we talked about, which is merchandising. But I think you can start to see that expand into, as Alex also mentioned, kind of the virtual experiences. That's bringing the haunt to you home or showing your friends virtual or doing merchandise falls under that. Anything you can take home, souvenirs, memorable moments, but also stuff like what Scarehouse did this year where they released their 20th anniversary album that you could take home. And yeah, so anything like that where you basically can extend the experience. You know, Chuck E. Cheese, I know I come back to that, but it's because their CEO just did a big, they got a new CEO and he's blah, blah, about Halloween and everything. So, um, but you know, they they took their, they, they did music and then they took their like characters on a, like an actual like music tour and like did little like mini concerts for people. So, and then, I mean, we've seen it, right? We've talked about haunts being in community events and at parades and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, thinking of it in terms of how can you bring the haunt home and take it outside of the four walls. So that's number three. Number four, the season is expanding to be earlier. And we saw this kind of like Halloween goes as retail goes because Retail is the first Halloween marker that kind of primes our our guests, right? And this year, we actually saw Spirit and Party City saw an increase in foot traffic in September versus 2019. So more people showed up in September and less people showed up in October. So the season, and, and you, you could attribute that to supply chain and buying concerns, whatever, but it's also showing us that you can move up the season earlier right? If you have um, Disney starting their Halloween party, October or August 10th, you know, there, so there's already Halloween stuff to do in August 10th. And in on the West coast, we have Midsummer Scream That's also in August. So I think September now, now, where is it used to be the last weekend in September? Now it's kind of like all of September is, is a season. And I've seen, I'm sure Alex can also talk about this. I've seen haunts 
expand their schedules, but maybe what they're doing is they're cutting like a Thursday or they're kind of Sunday and they're doing like Friday, Saturday, but earlier. So like er moving it to like earlier in September to do Friday, Saturday, and maybe cutting, you know, a later September, Sunday or Thursday, you know, like that, that kind of like moving that earlier, uh, expanding that time frame, uh, And also I'm seeing an expansion, not just in time frame, but also expansion markets. So I'm kind of putting those both in the same bucket. So expansion and market would mean uh, expanding a lot of expansion in the adult only and low, like low capacity, high ticket price, adult only options. And then also in the family market, like making specific Halloween things that are not gory at all. And that are geared for a family of four, you know, so I've, I've seen a lot of expansion in those two areas and uh, important for that is to note that we're only you know, of people that say that they're going to celebrate Halloween by doing an, an activity, you know, still only 18 to 22% of them are doing something that's a haunted house related. And a lot of those, but, and, and more, you know, a, a much higher percentage plan, plan to do something with families. So those kind of numbers point to the fact that there are people that want to do things for Halloween, but maybe they don't want to do a traditional tween haunted house. Maybe they want to do an adult only event, like a cocktail, spooky cocktail thing, or they want to do something they can take their kids to, which would be like all the theme parks have that. And then, you know, we have a lot of mall events and whatnot that do that now. Um, and then I guess that the fifth thing is going to be if you were able to expand your market this year, you know, the, the, the big, um, not the big, but a dimension on that is going to be how to keep those new customers engaged and coming back next year. So that'll be a little bit of like, if, if your haunt does not change over at all, how are, you know, what are you going to do to make it create that FOMO to bring them back in, which is a, a typical, that's a concern every year, obviously, but it's just some haunts have, have this as a, a larger priority because they had up to 30% more people this year than 20, 2019. And 2019 was like a five-year high. So it, it's kind of like a large numbers. That's yeah, a very long answer to your very simple <laughs> question, but five, those are my five buckets. I think Scarab Badges are one of the smartest things I've seen in the industry in a really long time. Scarab Badges are basically either pins or embroidered patches, uh, kind of like Merit Badges, as they are you know, somewhat named after, from Boy Scouts and, and Girl Scouts and Brownies, and where after you've accomplished something, you can wear the brag tag of the embroidered patch. Some haunts put them on jackets, some put them on t-shirts, some put them on uh, with the pins. I've seen them put them on lanyards. But the neat thing about them is they are very specific in what they are rewarding. And they're haunt-based images that reflect what's being rewarded. It's retention, it is bringing people back, and it's actually giving your haunters, your haunt performers, the ability to share that they are haunt performers. And, oh really, you're a, you're a scare actor. Where do you do that? And then they will insert the name of your haunt right there. So it's also marketing. I've always been a big fan of Scarret Badges. I think they're great. So check them out, scarretbadges.com. No, it is, that is not a paid advertisement. That is just my recommendation. I think it's really cool. ScottSwinson.com There was, um, you know, quite a, quite a uh, response on social media uh, in some of the groups I belong to saying that, you know, this is our best season ever. We're halfway through the season and we've already, uh, you know, we've already done what we've, what we did in, in 19, which was kind of good to see, but it is, it is kind of tough on the bodies. So yeah. um, one of the other things is 
Alex had mentioned, you know, doing extra stuff off season. So, um, hello or not just Halloween, but then, you know, you're doing the Christmas ones, you're doing the Valentine's ones, you're, you're, you know, the Friday, the 13th, is that part of what you see as the expansion of the market then? Yes. I'm putting all that under that expansion. Um, even if you look at what 13th floor, you know, they're doing Krampus on the 17th and 18th, and they're kind of rolling it out to more and more locations. And even the like Sir Henry's Haunted Trail, which is a small, mostly, you know, volunteer kind of Haunted Trail, they're doing two weekends <laughs> for their like Krampus, you know? So it's, we're definitely, I'm seeing that with Alex. And you know what the answer is? It's the same principle as the theme parks where they have four seasons of fun has always been the theme park mantra yeah. for building FOMO, right? So you can have four seasons of scary too at your haunt. <laughs> and the key is, do you have, as again, Alex has said, the indoor location, a permanent indoor location gives you the ability to create these multiple seasons of fun, which is the same as kind of a FEC or a theme park model. And it does make sense, you know, but so it's just kind of a natural, like a natural expansion, I would say. And I've, there's been haunts that have been doing scary St. Patrick's day and love bites for a, for a while. Yeah, I think now sure. it's just kind of following the theme parks again and following the retail thing, you know, anything that you see in the stores, um, you could probably do a haunt thing about that. Okay, I want to flip this over to Alex now. You've heard kind of some of the things, some of the buckets that um, uh, Philip has come up with and, and how things are going to increase. What I, I want you to put on your, your Oracle hat and tell us uh, what you predict. Now, don't give away any trade secrets yet, but what you predict haunt pay can be able to do to help all of these different buckets that Philip described. What what's coming down the pipe again without giving too much away? <laughs> oh, that's uh, all right. That's that's good. That's good. <laughs> well, I you know I think one thing that we're working on a lot right now, and I can tell you, is certainly going to expand. Uh, we do you know as I mentioned earlier, we do non haunted stuff as well. We want to make money the rest of the year <laughs> as, as well, just like everybody else. Uh, and we do use a different name passage. It's at gopassage.com for that side of things. So we've been experimenting. One of our big areas there is sports. We do a lot of semi-pro and professional sports. We do a lot of, of every like non-haunted thing too, but, but that's a big area for us. One thing that we've been diving into more and more there, which is uh, uh, going to be a big focus this year, definitely going to make it to the haunt side, is hitting on one of those points that Philip had on the staffing side. And that is uh, especially on the food and drink and merchandise sides, um, more and more ways to automate that process. So right now we already allow the ability to you know purchase those things up front. Um, we are in the process of developing virtual queues, not only for, for tickets, but also for those as well. So, uh, you know, instead of waiting in line to get your, your, uh, you know, Starbucks, your coffee, something like that, the Starbucks app has the thing that says, Hey, you know, I can order here and go right up and, and just grab it. I know what time it's going to be there or whatever. Uh, we're doing the same sort of thing. So you can get an alert when it's your time to grab and grab your four hot dogs and four goats. Um, and, and that merchandise side, and, and that's helping to, to limit the number of staff that are running those establishments. All of a sudden, instead of having like eight different, you know, uh, concession stands, you might be able to do it in four with the same line or shorter lines, even if those people are virtually waiting in line, they're doing things on their app and mobily, even if it's only 10, 20% that, that come over and, and do that, you know, on, on their own device, 
it's going to be uh, uh, that much less, you know, 20% less people potentially that you need to serve them in person. It can make a big, a big dent on things there. Um, so that's, that's one thing that's coming down the line. We already talked about the virtual queues. Those are going to continue to expand uh, in function and, and features that we have there. Uh, and I, and I think, uh, you know, one thing that, that, uh, Philip started to hit on here was, uh, keeping in touch, you know, with fans throughout the season and different ways to, to interact with them. Um, so we're building in more and more ways. We build in more ways to message and, and notify your fans this year. And we're going to expand on that. It won't just be by email. It'll be by text message and things like that. That that's something that's definitely coming to our platform. Uh, a little bit more on the marketing side and and social media side, just to continue those interactions with them uh, and get in front of them in, in more ways. Uh, we're also doing things to make you know our our stuff show up better in search, you know, and less clicks through to actually buy a ticket right from Google's you know homepage and things like that, which are all helpful in their own little way, but they're kind of small. They're not the big features to talk about, but it's the small things that add up at the end of the day and yeah. end up, you know, increasing those sales. Uh, and I definitely can echo, you know, everything that Philip was saying, oh my gosh, you know, uh, the staffing, uh, that was one thing that we actually had in our report at the beginning of the year. Uh, more people, more haunts than anything else were concerned about staffing going into the season. 55% of haunts were concerned about staffing going into the season. And I don't really have good numbers after that. We haven't surveyed people again afterwards, but uh, anecdotally, the number of people calling me and saying, hey, I didn't have X people show up. I need you to you know, help somebody else real quick, you know, load this onto their phone because they've agreed to help out this evening or, or whatever, you know, all those issues like that, that's come up quite a bit. There were a lot of people that were saying so-and-so didn't show up. We couldn't hire enough people for this and that. We had to cancel this weekend because nobody would stay this late into the season. Things like that. And it's super frustrating to see because you can just feel the pain. You know, that's not that's not something that that they're you know, that haunters usually have to deal with. Usually you pay a decent wage, people are willing to work, you know, and and I think you know yeah. in a lot of places that still is the case, but it's harder. It was harder uh this year than than years past. Uh, and I and I think uh, you know uh, the expansion of the seasons, as as Philip mentioned, you know I, I think some of our haunts would kill me for saying this, but that expansion not of the seasons of the markets into stuff that's designated for adults or family friendly, especially the family friendly side, that was a. Um, uh, th there were a lot of haunts that were getting people frustrated people because they were trying to stay kind of family friendly, but not designated family friendly. So people would go through and they'd complain that it was not scary enough. At the same time, somebody else was going through and saying, this is too scary. You're used to it as a haunt owner, right? you like, you mm -hmm. always get this. But I, I think that you know, this was happening a lot more and more as people expect more and more personalization to them, which is just happening over the years there. And so we saw several new haunts uh, launch. And, and by far, the haunts that were launching to do family-friendly uh, side of things were doing better than standard haunts that were launching. This is kind of anecdotal. I don't have great data on this right now. But from my mind, the new haunts, you know, that I know of that I can pinpoint in my mind right now that were family friendly versus the ones that were just general, uh, the just normal, um, the family friendly ones were doing better sales in their initial year uh, this year. Uh, so I think that's something that's going to continue in a lot of regions around the U.S. If there's not a good option in that region, there will be openings and there will be people taking those openings where there's openings. People figure out ways to fill in. So that's a that's a great idea. Yeah. Would it make sense then for haunts to do like from you know 6 to 8 p.m the family friendly yeah. and then from 8 to midnight do the the full blood guts and gore i think it we generally have... has to be a separate event daryl 
Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. We have a lot of people that do that and, and it adds to confusion. You know, some people pull it off successfully. There's always those that pull it off successfully, but for a lot of people, they just don't have the communication they need and it adds to confusion. Right. Somebody goes to the 3 p.m. and they think that they were getting the full on guts and gore, yeah. you know, and, and they're even more frustrated then. And, and you know, as Philip mentioned, uh, this is a rough, rough year for customer experience. Uh, we saw the same thing, you know, um, customers were just, uh, a lot of people were just more, you know, ticked off than usual. I, I don't want to lean into it too hard, but it was tough for haunt owners this year with the number, with the amount of feedback and, and people just, you know, going over the top to cause trouble this year. Brian shaking his head. Yeah. He customers <laughs> in general, not even just haunt related though. Is that kind of customers in general this year? Oh, I would guess. That? I, I, I would guess so. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it in other ticketing areas uh, as well, you know, so I can say that side, Philip would know better in the other areas based, of it. Based on the, based on the, on the, the, uh, we have a local good, bad and ugly Facebook page mm -hmm. for our community. So just based off local, local, um, you know, comments and stuff, just ever, everywhere business wise, you know, it's been a hard year for a lot of people, you know, and it's last it's couple of years. So, understandable yeah. right everybody wants to go to haunted attraction to release to to get scared you know they probably haven't been on the house in a while or done something crazy yeah. so and you know uh, what they haven't they haven't had to do they're on edge because they haven't been around people for a while they didn't realize it but that's different you get anxious when they haven't been around people for a while they haven't had to wait in line for a while you know yes. even though they're used to be used to that they haven't had to do that for a while you know and i think that's put everybody on edge but it just stinks because, man, the Han owners too, like the business owners all across the board have it harder than they've ever had it before. Just yeah. trying to keep things going right now. These customers, a lot of times are taking out their frustration. So I feel for everybody in the equation there. Yeah, that's right. So, so we just need a, we need a three tiered haunt, one family friendly, one really scary, and then <laughs> one kind of in between or something different, well, adult only. A, a midway. And then you order your stuff on Hanpei as a bundle deal so you get a t-shirt and a hot dog and tickets for a certain price so package deal stuff the way people aren't messing with it they just show you the app and then virtual queues i like yeah. it like that's good you're, going. you're gonna you're gonna make all the money this year okay, brian you're, you're taking the whole market <laughs> let's do it so daryl um about your season tell us about the you know actor staffing in uh canada right edmonton canada yeah well, fortunately, the weather was here. We uh, weather was good for us. It was only below freezing a couple of nights, uh, and that was near the end of the season. Last year, we had major snow, major ice. We had rain. You name the weather, we had it. Um, we have both an indoor and an outdoor haunt, uh, and fortunately, you know, the outdoor one it did really well because of the weather. Uh, so that was a good thing. We still had fairly long lineups. We adopted ticket, uh, time ticketing last season and uh, carried it over to this season. And I think that's a blessing. I think that's something that more haunts should have uh, just from the sanity you know, aspect of it. Because you know you can let so many people in per hour, half hour, however you're timing this. And you know you're going to keep busy. Um, we were letting people in on, on the half hours and uh, is what our tickets were. So you could show up at any time within there. Um, we also had a general concession area with a uh, our own food truck and, and our own um, uh, food and beverages, you know, booth. Uh, we did, it is a, a 
we do allow drinking there. We're selling beers. We had Saturday nights. We had some local breweries come in and offer a, a beer sample. Um, and um, there was several cocktails that were, you know, Halloween themed that uh, that went over fairly well. So people could could mix and mingle between the haunts um, while you're not in the common area drinking everywhere else you need to have your masks on we're trying to keep people six, six feet apart we had uh, uh a covid the clown character again who had a uh a two yard stick uh you know that was going around and and uh sort of enforcing that rule um the crowds were for the most part really good you know you always have some of your your bad actors uh or not well bad customers every now and then uh one night it was really funny because we had an hour long break or an hour that we had just the absolute worst customers it was tween time and you know those those young teens and and the middle-aged teens that end up talking or they're they're very cocky and that's the way they deal with fears they talk and they you know try and show off to the girlfriends and stuff uh and then the next hour we had the screamers there was nobody that screamed for an hour they just all talked and bs'd and then every group you looked at them wrong and at least one person just about peed themselves it was hilarious because they were just a total dichotomy total difference from the other group and it really brought up the morale of the actors themselves because we had that good group they were kind of you know, you get the you get the bad customers, and and sometimes you get you know ten groups of those in a row. You get a busload of of somebody, and it just it kind of sets the actors off for the evening, kind of makes it a little tougher on them. And then we had the good customers, and it brought everybody's spirits back up. And all of my actors, you know, we were working five or six hours. Um, we were working over past the end of the night, and some of the actors are in full fur body suits. We had a we had a yeti um inside and you know it gets pretty hot like i'm sure the poor guy lost 20 pounds over the season uh but just having those actors that scream and react to you ah or the, the the customers it just brings up everybody's morale so overall i think it went really good time ticketing was great uh and i, I hope we keep that in the future um with both an indoor and an outdoor haunt we'd expanded on both of them and uh some customers preferred the indoor one some customers preferred the theme of the outdoor one but overall i think you know everybody had had a really good time lots of really uh good five-star reviews so it was a good season and again a lot of it is because the weather held out fairly well ZTag now they are now you can buy a kit basically it's like it's all in like a docking bay kit so it kind of looks like a briefcase and you open it up and it has all the taggers inside of it and it's like a 12 to 24 person game they're now they're wristbands it's a little mini computer basically that straps onto your wrist and it has colors and sound effects and even little graphics that display on it based on what's going on in the game it's still proximity based and line of sight based Right, but it has a lot more of that tooling and it reports back to the, the briefcase. So the briefcase can track uh, who is earning what points and what's going on with the game and all those things to be able to display it later. They're really pushing for the laser tag without the guns principle where you can, instead of bringing laser tag to your event, which would be like 20, 30,000 you know, minimum for a laser tag system, you can bring in a Z tag one. And it's also a lot more flexible. You, know, you can do it in a smaller or a larger space and just kind of put up barriers as you see fit. So ztag.com.
talking about the unruly teenagers, we had more parents dropping off kids and leaving this year than we had in the past. So there was a lot of lot of uh, middle school, high mm-hmm. school kids. With I've seen some signs around movie theater. I saw Friday and Saturday nights, sixteen years and below must be accompanied by an adult by a parent. Yeah. So it I must not that. be just a haunted. Must be movie theaters and yeah other places too so uh and previously also this is this is kind of fun too because we always maybe uh overstaff a little bit because we know there's going to be some attrition from from actors some just can't make it through the year um we were open 27 nights you know so it's not like a weekend gig and it's it's both physically and mentally hard on a on a body um but we started off and we had a couple of actors uh, dressed as zombies in our parking lot we had two clothed parking personnel, and then we had two zombie parking personnel. So they're wearing a high-vis vest, uh, and one is wearing like a yellow rain slicker, uh, dressed as a zombie. But she's scaring the living hell out of customers. We had we couldn't count our chicken outs this year from customers that would go to one haunt and wouldn't go to the other. Um, or there's some that made it to the parking lot and were scared by the zombies in the parking lot and left <laughs> so, that's loss of revenue oh man well, scared away your customers <laughs> depends whether they paid or not though right so yeah, right but we yeah, do true. have um we do have both haunts uh under one admission price uh you know you get to you get to see both haunts one is a little shorter than the other the outdoor one is a little shorter but we did have customers that were too scared to attend the second haunt and they didn't uh didn't make it on our um our chicken out tally so our chicken outs is probably considerably larger than it is this year or than it was in previous years because we didn't, you know, didn't count some of those people. And chicken outs, we count as people who paid, enter the compound, and for whatever reason, can't make it through the haunt. Yeah. Well, I want to start wrapping things up. Um, Alex, so tell us one thing that we should look forward to in the future. Say haunt owners listen to this, uh, operations manager, ticking manager. And we were starting to get into digital, not sure how to start, not sure what to do. What kind of things should we be looking for? And can we come talk to you about it? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we would love you to come talk to us. Uh, what, what should you be looking for? I, th- I think, uh, you know, easy ways uh, to, to get online and, and get where people are searching. You know, I said it earlier and I sound like a broken record, but that's that's the biggest thing I can, uh, you know, tell people is a is a tip, you know, uh, getting out there is just make sure you're everywhere people are searching, whether that's, you know, uh, just being on social media so people, you know, can find you there. Because if somebody's searching on Facebook and you're not on Facebook, they're not finding you. It's as simple as that. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want you to waste your time on all these different social media networks and that sort of thing. But like, you know, at least put in the minimum effort on on some things like that. And uh, same, uh, you know, on the, on the ticketing side, try to make sure you're doing some digital online ticketing so people can find you quickly, can buy tickets when they're thinking about it. And that way you've got that money, you've got that uh, you've captured that sale already. And yeah, come chat with us, hauntpay.com. Uh, we've got phone numbers up there. You can reach me at alex at hauntpay.com. It's easy to remember. Uh, and uh, yeah, feel free to give us a shout anytime. 
We'd love to help you, especially this time of year. It's a, it's a little lower in volume this time of year versus, you know, uh, September when everybody's trying to scram and get set up and, and wants to brainstorm. So we'd love to start brainstorming early with you. I do have one question for you before you go. I want a prediction. Sure. You said that uh, this last season in your, in your survey, 76% of your people were doing time ticking of your customers. I want your prediction for next year next survey what do you think it's going to be and i'm Ooh. holding you to it <laughs> what, what is, what, yeah, what's on this is there a beer or something next time sure. we meet up the trans world here yeah, all right, a a six pack. All right. All right. If you meet it. <laughs> i'm gonna go with 82 percent here i think it's 82%? gonna tick back up again okay, yeah i'm writing this down <laughs> gonna tattoo it on his forearm i love it and also another tip, make sure you have, when you're on your website, make sure you have buy tickets everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, either it's on your, <laughs> it's on the banner at the top. It's in your menu bar. It's in the first, first third of the website. It's a pop-up because <laughs> I, I control my Facebook page. Where, how do you buy tickets? Uh, what time do you close? Just simple customer service. And then my automated message even says it. If you call it, yeah. my voicemail says it. If you text yeah. my messenger. My message says it, everything, age oh, requirements, man, man. times, still got people. What do you do? But you solve that problem, Alex, you're a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Can you solve stupidity? I mean, um... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but yeah, I, I'll tell you, you know, this is a good of true, but funny story. Uh, you know, 80 plus percent of our, our incoming requests uh every night you know we have like six seven people now that are working customer support uh you know evenings and weekends for hot day and 80 plus percent of the incoming stuff is like um you know i i, I it's starting to sprinkle out what should i do you know or can i bring our kids under six free you know or just stupid questions that they obviously didn't look for any information and they're somehow reaching out to us. They think we've got the answers with it, which we're happy to direct them back to the Han owners. But you're absolutely right, Brian. Anytime you can preempt any of that so you're you're not having to answer those later, uh, please do. It'll help you. It'll help us. You know, we're always happy to take those those messages too, but it'll help everybody out in the end there. Yep. Oh, thank you, Jan. I saw your chat message. Much appreciated. Mm -hmm. So, Philip, um, tell us something. I know you've already given us your five things to... Uh we're looking forward to and looking at and trying to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually think Alex is, this is Alex's right question. Yeah. Yeah. Alex in the chat, uh, do you see chip shortage hitting hot supplies and equipment? I feel like that's going to be my like kind of maybe not prediction because it's not a prediction, but like uh, <laughs> be aware of like uh, all of the vendors I talked to at IAPA. So not a huge amount, you know, about eight you know, um, but they're all haunt vendors. They all said that a uh, price increases were coming. And from what I know from the manufacturing side, from Gantam and from all of our, it's across the board. So you should plan for a 6% to 20% increase on everything you buy and like anything you touch six to 20%. So it's the other thing about that is the earlier you order the better. So like some of the suppliers that IAPA are like, yeah, March is like the end. Like if you kind of like, if you wait till trans world, that's fine. You might kind of miss it though. You might like miss the boat and be like 2023. Um, you know, so I think that will not apply as much to the boutique vendors that are at, I, that are at uh, trans world. Cause a lot of people that, you know, a lot of the vendors that come to trans world are boutique vendors and they kind of bend around 
that trans world thing, but some of the uh, larger places or the ones that could get backordered, you know, I guess what I'm saying is order as early as possible, make your plan as early as possible and uh, plan on that six to 20% increase in anything you were going to purchase at all whatsoever, uh, including potentially staff, <laughs> depending on, on kind of how everything goes. Uh, and then one more thing I was going to reply. I don't remember what Alex said, but it kind of about the next year stuff. Um, also like don't take the demand next year for granted. And also that the, um, Dispose and the reason I say that is because this year we saw more on average people were attending more attractions if they like per person because of additional disposable income. Yeah. Now, of course, that's not true across the board. Some people have less of it, some people have more of it. It really, you know, as I don't want to get into any of that craziness, but um, right now we're looking at there being less disposable income for next haunt season. So just kind of that, that, that is also in my like fifth bucket. I just didn't really talk about that angle, but kind of how are you going to entice them back? Just be thinking about how, what the economy is going to be like at that time, which could be very different from now. People might have less money, might have less availability, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be a little bit more of uh, I don't want to say it's not going to be more of a competition. It'll be more critical for you to communicate your differentiation in the market so that people can m make their choices because they're going to have to choose next year. Mm -hmm. So start branding now, <clears throat> start messaging now and buying now. Okay. Definitely start buying now. Um, Lumber sucked this year. Lumber was nuts. So I know it was really high toward the summertime. Then started going down a little bit toward got to the yeah. season. So it started coming down a little bit. Uh, we postponed a whole attraction because of that. So yeah, there, there will be, but yes, there's going to be supply chain issues at least through like definitely through Halloween, if not through like the end of next year, like, like a hundred, like I, that's a hundred, like we, we know that from Gantam's side, like some of our, some of the stuff that, that we're trying to get a hold of, even on this, on our side is like four months delayed. And then we're having to pre we're having to plan for four to five months shipping delays. So like, it's just not, it's not going to be a, like, just, yeah, <laughs> like definitely you want to be planning all of that stuff like immediately. And if you could, the best time to purchase, honestly, is going to be before the end of this year. So like next week, do all your purchasing, especially if you can get it in before Chinese New Year, because what's going to happen is when everyone shuts down, when all Chinese New Year stuff and all that kind of stuff happens, then you're going to see the price increases. So like December, January, before and before the reopening after Chinese New Year, because all the factories are going to shut down, they're going to have to rehire and they're going to rehire at a higher wage, which means it's going to continue to push the prices higher up. So just like if you could order within the next few weeks, it's going to be your best bet. Well, the money's no. still hot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> more for your dollar. So, well, if any other, anybody in the chat room has any more questions, we're going to start closing out. Uh, Philip, tell them where they can find you and about the podcast. Yeah, well, hauntedattractionnetwork.com or Haunted Attraction Network in any podcast player, your favorite podcast player. We release episodes twice weekly. Daryl does our news section on Tuesdays. And then we we have uh, generally a other interview or like a, a different topic for the other day. And sometimes we do do a third episode as well. And we have a lot of uh, post postseason interviews coming and vendor previews and kind of a lot of stuff coming that'll help you set up for the end of this year and then for beginning of next year um, heading up to the new trade shows and we also do a weekly industry newsletter that kind of gives highlights of what's happening every week and 
lists, events, and whatnot. So you can sign up for that on our website as well, uh, or in the link in our podcast show notes. And there was a hell of a series you put out. It was, yeah, how, many days, how many days was it? 61? It was 61 days, but we ended up doing like 70 episodes because I actually ended up with more content than I, I you, you would think you're like, oh, 61 episodes. Like that's, and it was a lot, but then I kind of like was so paranoid about getting enough to do one every day that I overshot it. And so we ended up with like, the week of Halloween, it was like three a day and it was like 70 that it ended up with. And I still have a dozen I have not released. So I apologize to the haunts if you were listening that I did not release here. <laughs> but we're on it. So I have like the dozen that I have not released. And then also the six uh, from uh, IAPA and then uh, three like post interviews. So we got like a few on content for a while. Yeah. On the shelf. Yeah. You still, still keep making it. I know. <laughs> Alex, where can they find you? Hey, yeah, hauntpay.com, man. Uh, and uh, hauntpay on any social media stuff. I don't know. I don't think we have a TikTok yet. That's the one where we got to still uh, work on in the future. But just about anything else here. Haunt you dancing in your videos. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, you don't want to mm-hmm. see that. <laughs> you don't want to see that one. But yeah, or feel free to reach out to me directly anytime. Alex at hauntpay.com. Yeah, I'm easy to get hold of. Where but can not I see you? on Facebook Messenger. Yeah, <laughs> I found that out. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> That's all right. I got your number now. So where can they see you in person next? Oh, man, uh, we will definitely be at Transworld. Uh, we're still trying to figure out if there's anything ahead of that, you know, uh, that, that we're going to hit up there. So uh, but definitely at Transworld. Always love that show. Okay. Daryl, any final conclusions from your wife? Uh, by now, lumber's cheap at the moment. Don't wait. Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, I got nothing else. Um, you know, we've got some some good news and uh, you know, the product that Alex is providing people is is an exemplary product. So go out, take a look at it, seriously consider doing it. Uh and remember if he doesn't eat meat 82%, uh, you know, he owes me beer. So <laughs> it's it. You owe him beer. <laughs> no, if he if he gets to 82%, uh I'll I'll buck up and and get him a six pack because uh i think that's attainable and i think i i think in the industry it needs to be higher but agreed yeah the um i want to say that there was a lot of trends that you guys were talking about that i've been seeing too so that's mm-hmm. right on point um and i'm glad the lumber price is going down uh we did as retention this year we were kind of having the same issue we had to kind of hire mid-season yep. all the way through the last two weekends. It was, uh, and luckily the people that we got were, they were new actors, never acted before, but the way we have our system set up where we put them with a veteran actor and they watch and they learn and then they start acting, you know, it, it worked out and we had good reviews this year. We had some, some faulty customers that we had to escort out, but, um, you know, that's just the nature of the game, I guess, at this point, hire more security put more security in place even though they're just even though they're just big guys walking around with security vests on you know they could be husbands they could be wives they could be just give them a flashlight get them put a security vest on them i love that term brian faulty customers i'm gonna i'm gonna use that one (laughs) (laughs) trying to be nice you know (laughs) um but um yeah so and also the supply product the supply issue that was like you said uh, fog machines that was Yep. <laughs> I was end up getting ones for spirit, you know, cause that's all I had. I was like, okay, yep. that's, I need four of these. So just send them to me as fast as you can. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I can see that becoming an issue as well, yep. but, um, yeah, it'd be great to get together with you guys every, 
end of the season every year and start doing this as a seasonal thing. So yeah, love that. Yeah. All right. And we will, uh, yeah, we're working on the season recap thing too. I know makes, I thought Alex's report was great. So everyone should go check that out. It was, it's just neat to see that stuff. And I think that we need more data like that, you know, in the industry, um, you know, anecdotal stuff is fine. It's great. It's good to hear like the flavor behind the, you know, the, the individual things because every haunt is not equal, but some of those larger trends, I think that Alex is reporting are very important, you know? And, um, so also, uh, the, Haunted Attraction Association, you know, is getting ready to do their industry report, which they'll premiere at uh, Transworld as well. So um, they'll be sending out that survey. Um, so we'll be on the lookout. I'm sure I'll do an episode about that. <laughs> I'll yeah. be listening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, I want to thank you both for showing up and uh, letting us know about everything you see because we can't see it all, and it's and you guys are knee deep in everything. So. <laughs> That's good. Thank, thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks. We'll do it again. <laughs> Daryl, any last words? Uh, hey, keep scaring on. That's all I can say. Right on. Thanks everybody for showing up. We will see you next month. Good night. All. Good night. I just want to pause for a moment and thank Philip from the Haunted Attraction Network. If you guys listen to this podcast, you'll love everything that Philip is doing over at the Haunted Attraction Network. That's hauntedattractionnetwork.com. There's weekly podcasts. Philip also does the Seasonal Entertainment Source magazine that is free to subscribe to. Yes, it is a real magazine to your mailbox. Him and Scott Swinson also do Green Tagged. If you're subscribed to the Haunted Attraction Network feed, then you will get it in your podcast player. So go on, check out everything the Haunted Attraction Network has to offer. And make sure to sign up for their email newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com slash newsletter. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.